Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. All right, I want to play a little bit of a game here to begin today's show. And uh, we don't do this a lot, but we're going to do this here right now. So I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm going to pause for a second to give you a chance to try to answer it. Now, listen, if you're radio or podcast, you're about to hear a little bit of dead air. Now, my motor mouth never stops running, so this is a little bit unusual for our show not to have the sound of my voice just sort of clanging around uh, (laughs) all the time. But I'm going to try to do this because I want to give you a chance to answer. Here is the question that I want you to try to answer. And by the way, I've got the dognation.com uh, comment section pulled up here. I'm going to see if anybody who's watching live on dognation.com, my apologies to the other video platforms, I don't have your comments pulled up right now, but I do have dognation pulled up. So I'm going to see if any of those folks know the answer to the question I'm about to ask. Here it is. What if I told you that on Saturday, Georgia is going to try to do something that no other SEC team has done this year. Do you know what that is? And as an extra hint on this, what if I told you that no one did this in the SEC at all last year? In fact, not even the reigning national champion, Georgia Bulldogs, not even the team that broke through a drought of 40-plus years without a national championship, the historic UGA team from last year, they didn't even do this last year. In fact, they didn't even get a chance to do this last year. But the team that Georgia beat for the national championship, Alabama, they had a shot at this, and they failed to accomplish it. Do you know what that feat is? I want to pause for a second here and see if anybody knows. Um, Matt Rukavina has a guess here watching at dognation.com. That is not it, although I guess uh, that's not what I was thinking about anyway, Though, although I guess it's a decent guess. Anybody else? I don't see anybody with the answer as of yet, so I will tell you. On Saturday, Georgia has a chance to win in consecutive weeks on the road in the SEC. Nobody this year has done that. Tennessee will have a chance to do that to conclude the season. They're at South Carolina this Saturday. They're at Vanderbilt the following Saturday, and they're obviously going to be a big favorite in both those games. So Tennessee could do that this year. Uh, Georgia has a chance to do that on Saturday, but no other team in the SEC has. Now, to point out here for a moment, this is a little bit of a scheduling fluke in that not every team in every year plays back-to-back road games in the SEC. A lot of SEC teams don't, where it's like, I'm not counting bye weeks, I'm not counting non-conference games, not counting any of that. This is consecutive Saturdays on the road in the SEC. Not every team has a chance to do that. But what you see is, is that teams that do have a chance to do that, in almost every instance, lose either one of those two games, either the first one or the second game. And in fact, last year, um, as I said, Alabama, uh, back-to-back road games at Texas A&M, at Mississippi State, they lost the game to Texas A&M. So if you're interested from a trivial standpoint, the last SEC team to win in consecutive Saturdays on the road was Alabama in 2020. Obviously, an undefeated national champion, one of the recent list of great teams in college football and prior to that the team that did that before that was 2019 LSU another team and I would certainly say that in my lifetime 
the 2019 LSU team may truly be the best team of all time. And if you want to give a little bit of a sense of just how good they were, when they won on the road at Alabama to begin the month of, no- uh, of November, the following week they went on the road again and they won at Ole Miss to give you an idea of just how tricky that schedule was for them on the road again the week after playing Alabama, and yet they still won. Now, you'll also remember that John Rice Plumley had like 8,000 rushing yards that day, which once again maybe kind of accentuates the point that winning in consecutive Saturdays on the road in the SEC is a very rare feat. It's one that the SEC teams that try to do it oftentimes don't. It's one that a good number of SEC teams aren't even asked to do in a given year. And it just so happens that the only recent examples we have of teams doing that are the kinds of teams that get mentioned in the conversation of all-time great teams in the recent history of college football. So that gives you a little bit of an idea for what's going to happen here for Georgia on Saturday against Kentucky. Now, please understand something. It is not my intention to oversell this game. Georgia's like a 20-something point favorite. Kentucky just lost to Vanderbilt. I'm not trying to oversell the game. I'm not trying to tell you, oh, you know, I talked yesterday about my sort of inner Larry Munson. I'm not trying to bring my inner Larry Munson necessarily out here. Certainly not trying to make a big show about it or anything like that. I'm just trying to say there is an aspect of what Georgia is doing on Saturday that's a little bit trickier than it maybe appears to be at first glance. But as I also said yesterday on the show is there's also seemingly a makeup for this Georgia team that's just different. And we kind of played the audio yesterday of Kyrus Jackson and Kyrus was kind of talking about you know how he's here to win championships as he said to put another number on that wall that's such a great clever way to say all of that and like that's his level of motivation and what we said is hey even given the the challenge of being at your best for a long 15 game season where your margin for error for even making the playoff could disappear a lot quicker than you actually think it could given the challenge of being at that level for a full year It takes some sort of special kinds of players with a special kind of mindset to be able to do that. And the evidence we have here thus far is that maybe Georgia just really has that special level of player, that special kind of player on this team. Kyrus Jackson yesterday, a little bit of an example of that. And I'm going to give you a couple of other examples here right now there as well, because like the one thing I told you is, is that the level of motivation for Georgia, where you find your motivation for this game against Kentucky, is a little bit tricky compared to what it was the week before that when, hey, you got to win this game to win the SEC East. Well, now that's been done. Or the week before that, hey, you're playing the biggest game ever in Sanford Stadium, at least by a ranking standpoint against Tennessee, and the whole world seems to think Tennessee's going to win. Easy to find your level of motivation for that. While all of a sudden now we're a couple of weeks later and against Kentucky – the motivation a little bit more difficult to define i kind of gave you the example yesterday of kirby sort of saying two different things about how much georgia thinks about winning the the sec championship and i sort of cited that as an example of hey maybe this is a little bit of an indication of really trying to kind of create the level of motivation the proper level of motivation for this game against kentucky maybe that's a little bit difficult here but you're once again reminded that georgia players are possibly just a special bunch And they're kind of motivated by their own internal sources here and the sort of typical, normal, external stuff 
Honestly, that's maybe just way more on the periphery for them than it would be for the average football player. In fact, let me give you an example here from one Georgia, one of Georgia's best leaders overall. It's center Cedric Von Prahn Granger. He's always so good at kind of casting exactly what the mission is for Georgia in any given moment. And he talked this week about exactly what it is that Georgia's playing for against Kentucky. And from a Van Prahn standpoint, there doesn't have to be any extra prize on the other side of this. It's just a chance to be better than the guy you're lining up against on this particular day this is strong stuff from svp take a listen to this our goal every week is to win focus on each opponent each week um understand what their strengths are how they'll try to attack us and win that's that's our goal try to be as uh, aggressive and you know uphold the standard of georgia football I love that idea of the standard, upholding that standard. And part of this, we've talked about this certainly a lot over the course of the last few days, is that physical toughness. And I was thinking a lot about this like the last 24 hours or so, is that for SVP who says, listen, our goal is just to win. Whoever we're playing, we want to win because we have a sense of pride invested in being tougher than whoever we're playing in a given moment. And we've heard Kirby Smart talk this week about, hey, just how tough Kentucky is and how tough that Kentucky's play Georgia. And your own toughness by you know, you're sort of the sort of unspoken subtext to all this is Georgia players, your own toughness will be questioned and will be measured by how you respond to a team that we know wants to play you tough. And the fact that they just got embarrassed and beat by Vanderbilt in some respects would maybe only make them want to be even tougher in a game like this. So how are you going to respond to that? And for Georgia players who have so much kind of built into the idea of being tougher than almost whoever they play, well, that becomes its kind of own source of motivation for a game like this. And frankly, Georgia's lucky to have leaders like Cedric Von Prahn to help cast that vision for everything the dogs do here this season. And as far as like specifically what that means for a game like this, how does that toughness show up on display? Well, as uh, Tremel Wathauer, the uh, great defensive lineman for Georgia says, it starts up front with taking away the thing that we know Kentucky does best. Uh, this is Wathauer kind of continuing the uh, thought process here of matching, exceeding the toughness for Kentucky and taking a step towards showing exactly what Georgia is in the rare feat of winning back-to-back games on the road in the SEC. Here is Wathauer on that. We try to, like, stop the run first. We know that Kentucky's a real physical team. Like, they played us tough, like, the past few years. And we just want to be able to stop that run first and try to make them a one-dimensional team. You know, this is the kind of Georgia defense right now. This is the kind of Georgia team right now that has a lot of value in showing off its toughness no matter the situation. Doing that offensively, establishing the run. Doing that on defensively, taking away the run. How many games have we seen for Georgia the last few years, certainly last year in the national championship season, where Georgia establishes its ground game, takes away the other team's ground game, and at that point in time, it's essentially over. They seem to take a lot of pride in that. You know, when the when the idea of the Georgia standard is spoken about, that's one of the things that comes to mind. We heard Cedric Von Prahn use that word a moment ago, playing to our standard. And you take that very seriously when, the, when, when Georgia players are saying the same thing over and over again. And for a guy like SVP, he's providing that leadership on offense, on defense. You've got versions of that, too. And In fact, one of the key vocal leaders for this team that's not even playing anymore is Nolan Smith, but he was in Starkville, Mississippi last week. He's obviously still, you know, he spoke to the team before the Tennessee game, and apparently that got everybody really fired up, that he even continues to be a great leader, even though he's now injured and unable to play. It gives you an idea of just how seriously these Georgia players take that standard that a guy like Nolan Smith, who's no 
longer able to contribute on the field because of his injury is still contributing by reminding folks of just how important all of that is in fact Chaz Chambliss the Georgia outside linebacker actually also talked about that this week too here's Chaz I feel like we've upheld the standard from when Nolan was here we've done the job uh that we're supposed to do um pressure the quarterback and uh Nolan's still there helping the coaches on the side as well so let me try to sum all this up this way when I tell you the Kentucky game might be a little tougher than it appears to be at face value, or when I say the feat of winning back-to-back games on the road in the SEC is a little more challenging than it actually appears, it's not my intention to tell you that I believe that George is going to kind of succumb to that and, and be tripped up by Kentucky or be tripped up in this sort of late-season stretch. It's not my point. My point is to tell you this, is that if Georgia does go on the road, and demonstrates its toughness in Commonwealth Stadium, Kroger Field, the same way it did in Davis Wade Stadium last week, I think you need to appreciate that for what it is. Another indication of just how special this team has the chance to be. Playing to a standard, showing off some toughness, staying focused, maintaining that over the course of what could turn out to be a 15-game schedule. We have already seen some evidence that this has the chance to be a very special team. And another data point towards proving that could be added this upcoming Saturday. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Merriweather and Tharp, and we are happy to have you with us as we go for two in 22. Whether you join us live here at 945, first and 15, dognation.com, the Dog Nation app, across all the other video platforms after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, or on the radio, of course, at noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, and as a podcast, wherever you find them, including the worldfamousdognation.com. Just really happy to have you as a part of what we're doing here today. And a big thanks to our friends at Merriweather and Tharp for making it all possible. You know, they're your source for Georgia divorce, and that's not fun. Not like beating Kentucky and and going on the road in the SEC and getting ready for the college football playoff and certainly the SEC championship. All that stuff is really fun. Divorce is nowhere near as fun a topic. In fact, it's not a fun topic at all. But it is a reality for many of you, and we take that seriously. And my invitation to you is, is to take the proper step if you find yourself confronting that reality. Maybe you've tried to do what you can to save the relationship, but some relationships just can't be saved. And if that's the situation for you, then reach out, have an initial consultation with one of those Meriwether and Tharp attorneys, or uh, invest some time to look at the blog posts or the listen to the podcast that they have up at their website, theatlantadivorceteam.com. Educate yourself with the process, learn a little bit about how the law might be able to be leveraged to your benefit, and then make the decision to hire Meriwether and Tharp to handle your divorce proceeding and then set you up for a successful next season of your life. You can find Meriwether and Tharp online, theatlantadivorceteam.com. That website, once again, theatlantadivorceteam.com. Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. All right, quick update here. Yesterday, we unveiled the on sale for our go for two and 22 kickoff tailgate event part of the sec championship we had an unbelievable response to that probably a record number of first day ticket sales for us uh, i believe we're certainly close to that for yesterday but i have been told there are still a couple remaining here at that initial offering price of a hundred dollars so my advice to you is if you want the initial pricing then you want to get in on this right now so Home Depot Backyard is where it goes down. That's the same place we've had our uh, big tailgate duck hunt earlier this year and all the fun stuff we've done. It's right next to the stadium. You literally cannot ever tailgate closer to a stadium 
than you can with us the home depot backyard right next to mercedes-benz stadium it's saturday uh of course december 3rd the day of the sec championship three hours prior to kickoff that's when it gets going open bar the food you want to eat obviously the entertainment and a second generation dog nation go for two and 22 t-shirt this is really really fun uh, i'm really really excited about unveiling this new design for you on all of that and really happy to let you know that at dognation.com for just a little while longer you can get your ticket for a hundred dollars on this now we couldn't offer this price if not for great sponsors like our friends at rs andrews marlowe's tavern kroger discover dunwoody royal caribbean the seven six uh, apparel company uh F- georgia farm bureau insurance and the wilson pc personal injury attorneys big thanks to all of them for making this such a great experience and it's going to be a great time so we can't wait to see you there for all of that we're gonna get terrence edwards here coming up in just a moment before that though i want to go around the doghouse and it's presented today by our friends at serve pro and I thought it was something very interesting that happened this week. Obviously, uh, Kentucky knows what it's in for as it gets ready to face Georgia on Saturday, number one team in the country. And Wildcats defensive coordinator Brad White was speaking to the media this week. And one of the things that White talked about was how good he thinks that Stetson Bennett is, how well he thinks that Bennett's played this year. And White says he's actually a little bit surprised that Bennett hasn't gotten more attention for the success that he's had and the job that he's done propelling the UJ offense. Instead of letting me summarize it, let me let you hear Brad White in his own words here. This is the Kentucky defensive coordinator making a pretty strong point here about the Georgia quarterback, Stetson Bennett. He is playing at an extremely high level right now. I'm quite frankly really surprised that, you know, he hasn't had much, you know, Heisman buzz. Like, he is playing at that kind of level. Um, he does not get the credit that he deserves in terms of uh, his command of the offense, his ability to distribute all over the field, his ability to create with his legs. Um, you know, check coverages, you know, check plays on certain coverages, looks. He knows where to go with the ball. He's been in the offense, you know, as long as he has. So he, he's in, in real command back there. Uh, he makes the right reads, and so he's, he's, he's playing as well as, you know, anybody. He's, you know, the best quarterback probably we've faced all, all year. Um, and no disrespect to anybody, but just his, his command, obviously. Uh, Hooker's playing at an extremely high level, so uh, he's, he's done great there as well. So, again, it's no disrespect to anybody, more of a how well he is playing at quarterback right now. So I think that's really interesting from Brad White, and obviously the kind of the pull quote from that is, hey, he's the best quarterback we faced all year, and then you, you kind of want to turn that into, well, that means he thinks he's better than Hendon Hooker, and obviously he tries to kind of, you know, you know, listen, he's what he really meant was just to praise Stetson Bennett. He didn't really mean to make a comparison between Bennett and Hooker, but it, he just meant to praise Bennett. But the overall point here is well taken, no matter what the specifics of the line was, and this is one of those things that I think we can easily forget, but I do believe it's genuinely true is that for a team that's facing Georgia, whether it be Kentucky this week or LSU in the SEC championship or anybody else in the college football playoff, here is the thing I think we lose sight of, is that the coaching staff on defense spends just as much time preparing for the Georgia offense as the coaching staff on offense does trying to figure out a way to move the football against the Georgia defense. You get what I'm saying on this? Is that the challenge of facing Georgia's offense is viewed by coaches like Brad White as just as significant as the challenge of facing the UGA defense. And sometimes I think we forget that's the case. But the numbers here speak for themselves. 
if you look at uh and let's just use a stat we can all understand right it's like some people kind of kind of get into the efficiency metrics and things like that let's just use a stat right now we can all understand how many points you're scoring how many points you're giving up you probably are not surprised to know that georgia is second in the country in terms of points allowed this season yielding just 11.6 points per game by now you may be aware that Georgia's also scoring 40.6 points per game. That's good enough to be tied for sixth nationally. So Georgia, once again, the same way it was last year, basically like a top five, top ten level, offense and defense. That's why they won the national championship a year ago, and that is why they are in strong contention to win a back-to-back national championship here this year. In fact, if you want a little bit more context on this, the 40.6 points per game that George is averaging, that uh, Brad White's praising Stetson Bennett for helping lead the way on, do you know who they're tied with nationally at that number? It's the Alabama Crimson Tide. Now think about this for a moment. How much over the course of last year, the offseason, and by the way, some of these calls came from inside the house. Some of this was Georgia fans themselves. Georgia's got to get an offense like Alabama's. Georgia's got to be more like Alabama on offense. Well, guess what? Now they are precisely like Alabama on offense. They're scoring the same number of points per game. It just so happens, though, that Georgia has a way better defense. That, that's context for just how good Georgia has been offensively. But even with that, blowhard like me, shouting this into a microphone each and every day, I think it can still be easy to obscure just how rare it is to be this good on both sides of the ball. Georgia sixth nationally tied with uh, when it comes to scoring points per game at 40.6. Second nationally in terms of points allowed at 11.6. Did you know this? There are just six teams in the entire country, six teams in the entire country who are even in the top 25 in both categories. Like, Like, think about that for a moment. Only six teams in the entire country have a top 25 defense in terms of points allowed and a top 25 offense in terms of points scored. And yet Georgia's sixth in points scored, second points allowed. That is a remarkable feat. And if you want to know why Stetson Bennett doesn't get the credit he deserves, it's because everybody's playing at such a high level. And if you want to know why Georgia's back in the national championship conversation and such a very big favorite over potential matchup against TCU, potential matchup against USC, potential matchup against, you know, Tennessee again, Michigan, even a point spread favorite over the mighty Ohio State. Like, why is that true? It's these numbers right here because of what Georgia is capable of doing on both sides of the ball. And yeah, sometimes Bennett doesn't get the credit he deserves, but it's not because there's something wrong with him. It's because there is something so right, seemingly with every other aspect of this Georgia roster. And we should not lose sight of that as you roll towards this postseason. That is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Serve Pro. Obviously, Georgia doing a good job of uh, taking care of its business here throughout this season. And we hope that continues along the way towards go for two and 22. And speaking of showing up and doing what needs to be done each and every day, that's what our friends at Serve Pro are all about there as well. They are, they are restoration specialists. Now, what that means is, if you have some sort of like serious damage done to your home or your workplace or a commercial property that you own or, or investment property you own, you know, whatever real estate issue you, you have where there's been fire damage or water intrusion or the kind of mess that just can't really kind of be easily cleaned up, the kind of thing where you wish you could sort of wave a magic wand and make it disappear. Well, that's where our friends at ServPro can step in and do great work for you because their restoration specialists literally get it put back together, cleaned up, fixed up, all replaced, put back together like it never even happened. That's what they're famous for. 
Also, every uh, Surpro franchise is independently owned and operated. That means when you do business with Surpro, you are doing business with someone who has a stake in the outcome, just like you do. Uh, their livelihood depends on your happiness the same way that your livelihood probably depends on the exact same thing. So goals are properly aligned with our friends at Surpro. So find them online at servepro.com. That's S-E-R-V, servepro.com for a lot more on that. We appreciate Servpro presenting Around the Doghouse to us here today. Speaking of attention for Georgia players, before we're done today, we're going to give you an example of Georgia defensive lineman, defensive star, if you will, Jalen Carter, getting some attention that he deserves. We'll talk to you about that before we're all said and done. But for now, on everything for UGA, the challenge of going on the road, playing in the cold at Kentucky, what's at stake here, and what comes up for Georgia after that. Let's talk to all, let's talk about all that right now with our buddy Terrence Edwards here on Dog Nation Daily. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Good to have Terrence Edwards with us here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Always appreciate his insight on these dogs. And Terrence, I'm sure I asked you this last week, but now I don't remember the answer. Did you ever play in a cold-weather game when you were at Georgia? Yes. Uh, the one that comes off the top of my head is uh, Rick first year. We played in the Music City Bowl up in yeah. Nashville against Boston College, and that was a, a, a cold game. And my best friend, Damian Gary, convinced me not to wear sleeves, and that was the last time in my career I didn't wear <laughs> sleeves in the cold because it, it, it was cold. But uh, that's the first game that comes off the top of my head that, that, was, that was really cold. Yeah, you mentioned that about the not wearing sleeves. Now I'm guessing in the Canadian Football League, is that a spring league? Or is it still cold? I mean, obviously, Canada's colder in the winter. How cold are these Canadian football league games? Because you played up there for a while. <laughs> uh, BA, the, the Grey Cup is about to go on, uh, I think, next week. Uh, or maybe this week or next week. So imagine being up in Canada right now uh, as a Georgia boy. Once the season was wow. over, I had my badge packed. And once my regular season game was <laughs> over, if it was in the playoffs or not, I was on the first flight back to Atlanta. Um, so it, it gets no colder than playing in the great up north. Um, and it's windy, cold, and a lot of rain. That is tough stuff. And you're right. I'd be looking for the first yeah, plane out of there myself there on that. But you also kind of mentioned, hey, you didn't wear sleeves. Damian Gary told you not to. And yet last week, I didn't see a ton of like extra layers in these Georgia players either. In fact, I was watching for that for our dog walk last week of, hey, do these guys get off that bus kind of shivering? Because I'll tell you a quick story. I was in uh, Philadelphia for the NFC Championship game back in 2005. And listen, I was freezing cold too. But seeing the Falcons up there for that game, to me, Terrence, body language-wise, they just look cold before the game. It's one of those things where you sort of got the sense of, I'm not quite so sure how this team's going to play today because they just look cold. And it was way colder way up north in January than it was in Mississippi in November. But nonetheless, I was kind of looking for some body language stuff from Georgia last week. You know, South Florida kids, Middle Georgia kids, you know, whatever else. And I didn't see a lot of body language. I didn't see a lot of, you know, guys shivering. There weren't a lot of overcoats or extra layers. Guys seemed to be kind of handling it okay. There was even some, you know, normal T-shirt, you know, get out there and do your uh, regular warm-ups just like always. You know, these guys seem to process it okay, which frankly kind of surprised me a little bit because that's got to be the coldest weather some of those guys ever played in last week. Oh, most definitely. Body language is a big thing. I can remember speaking back to my Canadian football days and, Who's playing in the uh, conference championship game to go to the Grey Cup? If you don't know what the Grey Cup is, that's just like the Canadian football Canadian football Super Bowl. 
game and uh, the team that was playing, you could tell that they didn't want to play. It was minus 19 Celsius. Uh, we just handled the cold better than them. I mean, we ended up winning that game. And so that is a factual statement. The team that handles the cold the best with their body language and have to be mentally tough. And we all know, I think Kirby has really installed mental toughness with this program and who handles the cold the best. It's probably going to be the team that wins because you, as a receiver, you know, we worry about the cold, we worry about the rain, but the team that handles the elements the best usually comes out the winner of the game. So one of the other things I talk about here today is, and I'm not sure if you remember this from your own career or not, but this year in the SEC, no one's had to win back-to-back uh, road games. No one has won back-to-back road games. Uh, last year, no one did it either. Do you remember if you played on the road in the SEC on consecutive Saturdays? And uh, as a player, what makes that tricky, knowing that you're you know, flying to Starkville, coming back, now flying to Lexington for this game? What's tricky about being on the road in the SEC on consecutive Saturdays? Uh, I don't remember if we played consecutive road games. I mean, you, you just think about it. I just got honored. It was 20 years ago, so yeah. that, that was a long, long time ago. So just a trick just a trick part about it is just being out of your comfort zone a little bit. You know, it's, when you're playing at home, you get to sleep in your bed. You get to sleep in your comfort zone. Your comfort zone. Now uh, you're on a plane uh, two consecutive weekends. Um, just everything that goes into traveling, that's from the equipment guys, the training guys, that's everything that goes into you is just thrown off because there's a lot of packing that has to go on to have, you know, your whole home base flown or driven into another state. So that's two consecutive weekends that we're on the road. But like I go back to, I think this team is just mentally tough. I just think Kirby has got this program just mentally tough and any obstacles comes their way I just feel they're ready for I just think that that's what Kirby has instilled in this program and every player believes that how uh, much did you love and I know you love this position so you had to be thrilled last week you just had wide receivers just stepping up across the board, Terrence. I mean, obviously, Lad McConkey has a huge game, and I know how much you've kind of tied it loud, Lad, over the years. But Kiaris Jackson was a force. Marcus Roseme Jackson, in the absence of A.D. Mitchell, I think the Roseme Jackson's really given Georgia a high level of play. Terrence, I thought that wide receivers against uh, Mississippi State was a big story for UGA, and I thought a lot of guys gave Georgia a pretty big contribution. How happy were you to see all of that? I was very happy, you know, just for one, from you know, the last standpoint, for someone that, you know, I've trained when he first became became out of high school, uh, got to know him personally, got to know his family personally, and, you know, through his struggles through midseason, I would text him just every now and then, just giving him just inspiration, just let him know, hey, believe in yourself. It, all of us go through this period of time where we kind of get down on ourselves. Yeah. It happens to me. It happens to everybody. I'll just just send them a message. Hey, believe in yourself. Believe in yourself because we know what you can do. So just to see him the last three games bounce back because, you know, if you go on the Internet, the Internet was ready to bench lag. Yeah. And the coaches stuck with him. Uh, he stuck with himself. He figured it out. He Whatever he's done, he's got out of that slump. He's playing great football, man. Come on, the old man Kiaris, that's what I call him. He, when his <laughs> number is called, it just seems like, he makes a play every time he gets an opportunity. And I love his comment uh, this weekend. Oh, yeah. For everybody out there, and no, he was not taking a shot at Jermaine. That was, this is just him. This, yeah. he's, a, he's a Peach County grind football player. And that's what they do. It's always team me. Yes, Kiaris 
you put Kiaris on a lot of tennis tests. Kiaris would like to have more opportunity. He would like to be a guy that have a thousand up. But Kiaris is a team first guy. He's going to do everything you ask him to do. Whenever his opportunity comes, he makes a big play for his team. Uh, Marcus, uh, all the receivers of is getting the opportunity stuff. And I think that's always been a, uh, we don't have route receivers. Who was it? Jordan Rogers said that yeah. in the Tennessee game that Georgia receivers was the worst part of the team. So as a receiver, you hear that stuff. Internet's let you know what people are saying about you. You just go out there and, and show people your talents. And even though, you know, Jordan Palmer or Jordan Rogers, whatever his name, doesn't matter. That still gets your blood flowing. And, like, you're talking about the Tennessee receivers. Let's show them what we could do. So I'm just happy for that group. I'm happy for Brian McClendon. I'm just happy for uh, those guys stepping up when their number is called. Well, I'll tell you this. If this is the level of wide receiver play that George is going to get the rest of the season, then you can go ahead and print the 2023 preseason magazines because this season is over. Like, if that's what George is going to be at wide receiver, what it was on Saturday – then you can go ahead and start talking about you know transfer portal and who's going to be good next year because this season has been determined. George is going to win the national championship because uh, I, I, I just thought that group was outstanding on Saturday. I really, really did. Yes, I, I think they play well. That's probably their best game uh, that they've played. And I don't know if you saw a picture, just speaking of the, that wide receiver group, I don't know if you saw the pictures of the whole wide receiver group and Justin Robinson mm-hmm. took a picture out that nice. game. And I just tell people all the time, I have this come out. I don't know if it was you or someone else that even the guys that transfer out, even Jermaine, those guys are still friendly. Yeah. Those guys are still friends. They still talk to each other and they understand. The fans may not understand and fans may not like it, but the, the teammates still talk to those guys that still, they're, they're still friendly. It was good to see Justin along with all his friends, take a picture after the game on, on Saturday. I have this picture in my mind of you and me when we're old men like 20, 30 years from now, and we're still sitting around talking. Do you think A.D. Mitchell's going to finally play this week? I sort of have this picture in my mind of like what the next you know few years will look like with us you know, finally kind of waiting to get some resolution of the A.D. Mitchell situation. Listen, I'm making light, obviously, but I know he's been dealing with a lot of pain, and obviously you know, the, the, the anxiousness here is about just getting the good player back. But you know, what is your take on this as a wide receiver? Now, we've talked about this here a little bit. The fact that that, you know, you know the, the the ankle situation and I don't know if it was kind of like a reset of the timeline because he re-aggravated I know Kirby Smart was kind of asked about that here this week but but pretty clearly this Mitchell injury situation continues to linger I, I don't know that he's going to play on Saturday I, I don't know that anybody does I do know that it'd be really nice to have him back when do you think we might get some resolution on that Terrence <laughs> well I thought if he you know the game was in was in reach of he would have came back and played the Kent State game. So now, right. how many weeks later, and we still have not seen him. And, and uh, you know, he, he's been out there, and if I read somewhere that he may aggravated it, warming up against Auburn, which I don't know for sure. Uh, I'm just, you know, the young man is a talent. Uh, for us to, to get where we want to go as back-to-back champions, we're going to need that guy out there in the field at some point because uh, he's just too good of a talent not to be out there and, all the receivers have stepped up. I mean, man, I don't think we we lose Kiaris, uh, but each of every one of those receivers is coming back, and hopefully, uh, even with some of the younger guys, Jota Meeks and the C.J. Smith kid yeah. from Florida, who is a burner. Uh, Dylan Bell would be a, a year spent. So that group is going to be loaded next year. It, it's really going to be loaded, and it goes from a a weakness to everybody say it's going to be a strength for 
whatever quarterback in there, Carson Beck or either one of the quarterbacks, they're going to have a very experienced um, receiver core. Uh, I anticipate us probably losing Darnell, but Brock is still back. But you still have Eric and all the great tight ends that we have coming in. Uh, the offensive line is going to be intact. So this offense is going to bring back a lot of players for whoever is the quarterback next season. And having an inexperienced quarterback with an experienced supporting cast uh, bowls well for whoever the quarterback is. Let me ask you two quick things before I let you go. I guess first thing is this, you know, if you're a Georgia player this week, you saw the team that you're about to play lose to Vanderbilt last week, and yet the job of the Georgia coaches this week has been to say, hey, you know, don't don't read too much into that. Don't expect that to be an indication of how this Kentucky team plays this week. And maybe that turns out to be true, maybe it doesn't. But do you remember a time when you were playing when those Georgia coaches were telling you all of, hey, don't pay attention to what just happened because this team may come out here and play way better uh, here this particular week? You know, how, how much of that's going on right now of telling these Georgia players that just because Kentucky's kind of fallen on kind of hard times here this season doesn't mean they don't want to play well in their own stadium here on Saturday? Oh, we were the number one team coming to your house. Um, Kentucky has a bad taste in their mouth right now. They lost to Vanderbilt. Uh, so they're, they're eager to go out and, and prove that, yes, we lost to Vanderbilt, but what if we go and shock the world and beat the number one ranked team in the country who's already been crowned in some people's eyes as the champion? So this is their biggest game of the year. This is their Super Bowl. This is their SEC championship. Whatever moniker you want to put on it, those Kentucky coaches are going to get these players ready to play. You got embarrassed last week. So what What about – how about we go and do some embarrassing this week against the number one team in the country? And vice versa, Kirby's preaching the same thing. They got embarrassed last week to, to uh, Vanderbilt. So what do you think they want to do to you this week? So I, I, just, I just know that the way these kids have played, the way Kirby's got these kids to play every week, doesn't matter to their opponent. I just expect to go – us to go out and play Georgia football and whatever the score may be, the score is going to be, but I don't think it's going to be a letdown by the Georgia Bulldogs. And then finally this, and obviously Georgia can't look this far ahead yet, but you and I can here for a brief moment. Any early thoughts now that it's official that Georgia will be playing LSU in the SEC championship and not the game that we all thought would be maybe Georgia-Alabama in that first Saturday in December. Instead, it's LSU. Any early thoughts on that for right now? I, I just think, you know, LSU State, of course, yes, they, they started off kind of rough, but they've gotten better and better each week. And I, I watched a little bit of uh, the fourth quarter of the Ole Miss game, and, man, I've never heard of the five-star Phillips kid. And, man, he put on an absolute clinic, looking like Von Miller out there. So they have some pieces. Uh, they, they have some good players. It's LSU Tigers. And we all understand what they did to us the last time we played them in the SEC championship game. So there's still a couple guys that's left from that team. I think they're going to preach to some of the guys who wasn't there that we got embarrassed that, that, that Saturday. So it's time for them to do some embarrassing now because I think Georgia is the better team. And I, I thought, and everybody thought that LSU probably was the better team in that last game. So. Uh, it's some redemption that we, we got, but it's going to be a good game. I love the quarterback because he's a dual threat, and we faced a couple of dual threat quarterbacks, so we understand how to play those type quarterbacks. Hey, great stuff, uh, Terrence. P- appreciate you being here. Look forward to seeing you after the game on Saturday for our Dog Nation postgame show presented by the UGA Bookstore, and I uh, hope you have a, a great – good luck, by the way, to Milton on Friday night there as well, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, seeing you here very soon. Thanks, B.A. See you Saturday. 
Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, state playoffs roll on here this weekend after last weekend where you had a collection of games on Friday and then the 3A, the 5A, the 7A on Saturday, including uh, Terrence's Milton squad. Uh, now everything kind of back to its customary time on Friday night. And by the way, how about Peachtree TV on Friday night? The Buford Wolves hosting the Walton Raiders. What a fun game that's going to be. A lot of chatter right now about five-star running back Justice Haynes. Will he maintain his Alabama commitment? We'll see him on TV on Friday night. Boy, that is a, uh, a lot of fun to uh, think about on all of that. All right, let's get ready to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. We are so excited about everything as it relates uh, to our second-ever cruise to Dog Nation coming up in April and also those great kind of getaways when it's so cold here right now. I just sort of think about Gosh, how long is it going to be before I get a chance to take a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation again? Well, listen, we just love it all, and we want you to be a part of it. Whether it's our cruise coming up in April, leaving uh, from Port Canaveral on April 24th, going to Nassau in the Bahamas, Perfect Day Coco Cay. And when you hear me say that, if you're not that familiar with what Perfect Day Coco Cay is, this is an unbelievable private island, really oasis. It's an, it's an incredible experience, and it's exclusively for those on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. Royal Caribbean owns the private island known as Perfect Day Coco Cay. So you have to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise just to get there. And one half of the island, they kind of call it the chill side. It's the largest freshwater pool in the Bahamas. It's this uh, wonderful, you know, collection of like lounging on the beach or relaxing in the water or just doing, you know, great stuff there. And on the other side, you have what's known as the thrill side which is a big water park. And there's like a giant helium balloon that takes you several hundred feet in the air. There's, uh, you know, uh, the tallest water slide in North America. There's, you know, largest, uh, you know, wave pool in the Bahamas. There's all, all kinds of in- incredible, amazing things going on out there. It's an unbelievable experience, and we want you to be a part of it with us. In fact, a great travel agent named Jessica Slater has put a website together for you. It's called RoyalDogs.com, RoyalDogs.com, and you can click that website and be a part and find out how you can be a part of our Dog Nation cruise coming up in April. You can also give Jessica a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. And when you talk to Jessica, you can ask her about, if you're watching a video, you see this, the icon of the seas, the unbelievable new cruise ship, which will be unveiled January in 2024, sailing out of Miami, completely redefining what a cruise vacation is all about that's what we think icon of the seas is going to be able to do and we want you to know about that so jessica can tell you about it give her a call 770-718-9147 for more that's 770-718-9147 for more on that all right now let's go cruise around the sec courtesy of royal crib i want to talk to you more about jalen carter here for the dogs in a moment let me hit some sec stories before we get there i thought that espn reporter chris lowe had a very interesting tweet yesterday i want to read this to you because This is where my kind of, I don't know, I guess conspiratorial brain kicks in here a little bit. I believe that there is a hidden subtext to Lowe's tweet. I want to show you this. So Chris Lowe on Twitter talking about Lane Kiffin and the Auburn job here. Do we have the uh, Chris Lowe tweet? Can we show this? Uh, Yeah, here we go. He says, the overriding reason, excuse me, Uh, he says, the overriding reason Lane Kiffin would leave Ole Miss for Auburn is the hefty NIL fund that Auburn has built. In the NIL world, that kind of cash is the key to sustaining success at a high level, both in attracting high school talent and keeping players from transferring. If you don't mind, keep this on the screen here for a moment. So I think there's a lot about this that's true. I think it is true. There's a lot of rumors that Auburn does have a pretty big NIL fund, that they are building that, and they really haven't used it because they didn't want to give any of that to Brian Harson. So they've been sort of saving it for a coach they thought was worthy of it. 
So the next coach at Auburn probably does benefit from a little bit of an NIL investment that Brian Harson never got to take advantage of. We see this sometimes is that, you know, boosters don't want to open the purse strings for the coach they don't like. But when the new coach comes in at that point in time, all of a sudden boosters find themselves being a lot more generous. And maybe the same thing's going to kind of work for Auburn and NIL in the post Brian Harson world. Here's the other thing, too. For a coach like Lane Kiffin, it is obvious. Kiffin has spoke directly about this, that nobody, he says, this is Kiffin's words. I don't believe this to be true necessarily, but he says nobody's competing and recruiting without NIL and that you just have to be able to do it. And he basically always is talking about how, you know, so-and-so is buying, you know, so-and-so and whatever, whatever, whatever. It's fairly obvious that NIL is really important to Kiffin. And I think you can fairly obviously say that he doesn't feel like there's enough of that at Ole Miss because he talks a lot about this. There's just tons of public remarks where he's done that. Can I see the low tweet one more time, though, please? Because here's the other – so once you sort of establish that, yes, Auburn has NIL, and, yes, it's just you know self-evident that Kiffin wants more access to NIL because he's talked openly about it. When you see a guy like Chris Lowe tweeting this, I believe the subtext here is, is this is a message from Kiffin to Auburn. I'll tell you why I think this. And this is obviously a little bit conspiratorial, but, but nonetheless. Go back and look at the past. Chris Lowe has written glowing profiles of Lane Kiffin in the past. It is fairly easy to assume that Lowe and Kiffin have a very cozy relationship, much the same way that Lowe and Nick Saban have a very cozy relationship. When Nick Saban wants to speak, you know, through the media, Lowe is a guy that he reaches out to a lot. You know, Lowe's pretty cozy with both Saban and Kiffin. So if Lowe is just sort of tweeting this out of the, 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 the wild blue, then I think it's fairly easy to assume that he's tweeting this because Lane Kiffin told him that. And if Lane Kiffin's telling a reporter this, then I think this is meant to be a message to Auburn of, hey, I'm out here. Hey, I'd like to have your job. Hey, I'm interested. Because there had been some rumors somewhere that Kiffin might turn Auburn down because he's waiting for the Alabama job and the end may be coming sooner rather than later for Nick Saban. So this is almost like a, at least potentially a response to a rumor that's been out there of, Hey, maybe Kiffin doesn't want Auburn because what he really wants is Alabama, and he's going to sit there and wait on all of that. Or maybe Auburn now, because everybody has these feel-good vibes around Cadillac Williams, maybe they want to hire their interim coach. They don't need Lane Kiffin anymore. Or maybe they'll hire Hugh Freeze or whatever else. I think you should take this as a message from Kiffin through the media to Auburn of, I like what you all got going on, and I'd like to be a part of it. Now, we'll see how Auburn responds here. But I believe that's the way to interpret what you're seeing there in the media. Something to kind of consider. Here's something else to consider. Eli Drinkwitz was quoted this week, the Missouri coach, as saying that a lot of SEC programs are contacting his players about transferring. He says he absolutely believes that's going on. And I'm sure that's probably the case. I'm guessing anyway. I mean, there's, you know, seemingly a lot of that kind of stuff that's already been going on. And maybe no one's, you know, uh, maybe no one's hands are clean when it comes to this. But here's one thing you should be aware of. The day after the SEC championship, or maybe it's the Monday after, but it, but the week after the SEC championship, the transfer portal opens back up again. It's closed right now. They kind of passed this rule of, hey, we're going to have transfer windows. And the first transfer window is going to open right after the championship Saturday. And my guess is it is going to be wild. Now, some of this may be a little more under the radar because – you know, it's just a little bit different than high school recruits or like tweeting out other visits and things like that. The college guys may not do that quite as much. 
but it is going to be wild. And, you know, let's be frank here, Georgia may not be immune to all of that. It is going to be wild. So for a coach like Drinkwitz, who's got a bunch of unhappy players, there is no, no doubt that they are getting braced for that. And when you see so-and-so is injured right now, or so-and-so, I saw one yesterday, so-and-so is training away from the team. Like, there's a lot of, like, language out there right now that's <laughs> the transfer portal ain't open, but somebody's sort of standing right there at the doorstep waiting for it to open up because he's ready to jump in as soon as it does. Like, there's a lot of that that's out there right now. And so just gear up that um, it's going to be really busy. Uh, December is a crazy, crazy month for college football, and it is going to be even crazier now because the transfer portal window is going to heat up. Now, I'll also point out, that we said the same thing about post spring practice last year and it actually ended up not being that's like the first thing from like a transfer portal hysteria standpoint that actually ended up being a little less crazy than it was supposed to be there were not a lot of high level transfers that entered the portal post spring practice i think a lot of coaches were really disappointed about that i think there were some first year coaches that were hoping to build their roster with transfer players and they weren't able to do so so last year we said hey buckle up it's going to be crazy prior to that may deadline to be eligible for the upcoming year and it actually kind of wasn't but in this particular case i think it's going to be crazy because i think there are a lot of players who have either one foot out the door or in some cases two feet out the door or in some cases they're hurt or they got the flu or they got the whatever um they're going to be a lot a lot of players looking to get off some sinking ships and it's going to happen very very soon and it's going to be unlike anything we've ever seen in college football i sort of believe by the way one more thing and this is more just sort of a source of i guess curiosity than anything else speaking of the transfer portal so there are like two guys that break all the news in the pac-12 like in the sec there's eight gazillion people covering the sec in the pac-12 they're like two people one of the guys names john wilner one of the guys names like john i think it's Kanzano, and it's actually Kanzano who had a story from an oregon state perspective as it relates to former georgia quarterback jt daniel i just thought that was kind of interesting so Oregon State, the story goes that they're trying to build up their NIL collective. And in the story, they cite, I guess this is meant to be evidence of why they couldn't get JT Daniels. The JT Daniels, as many of you knew, wanted to visit Oregon State. Uh, he did visit Oregon State, considered Missouri, and finally landed at West Virginia. Well, as Kanzano, who's a, this is like a real reporter. Like, I mean, he, you know, covers the Pac 12. There's only like a couple of guys that are heavy into Pac 12 news, and Kanzano is one of these guys. And so what he reported is, is that what JT Daniels' father asked, West, asked Oregon State for was a four-bedroom house and a personal chef. And like, there's an aspect of this that I sort of find kind of weird. Now, listen, in the case of Daniels, you should ask whatever you want, and I guess you should, you know, hopefully you can get whatever it is you want. And the story that Kanzano wrote said is that he eventually went to West Virginia and he got paid like some sort of six-figure deal to do this football camp or whatever else so he's gotten some nil stuff going out there to west virginia but here's the part about like some of the nil stuff that i'll never quite understand is that okay so you want a four-bedroom house which is fine you can have a four-bedroom house uh but like players have been getting living space for their scholarship for a thousand years like is is a four-bedroom house that you live in by yourself really that much better than living in an apartment with your friends like like is it that much better and, and and the story that uh that the guy wrote is that like one of the things that jt wanted the four bedrooms for was some of that was for family but he was going to build a weight room in one of the houses or I should say one of the bedrooms of the houses but once again i'm kind of like you already got a weight room like <laughs> 
Like, this is the thing the college has been spending money on forever. And I'm sure the Oregon State weight room is probably not as nice as the Georgia weight room is, but I'm sure it's probably not a dump either. Like, like why do you need a weight room in your house? You already got a weight room. That's what the school is for. Uh, and then, like, the idea of the personal chef, like, the school already feeds you all your meals. I mean, it's like your personal chef is that much better than the, than the food they're cooking for you already? Now, maybe at a place like Oregon State it is, but... <laughs> It's like, and I'm not against like him getting whatever he wants from his NIL, but it's like, is it really that much better? Because here's the thing is ultimately JT chose not to go to Oregon state, I guess, because they didn't meet his demand for a personal chef and he goes to play at West Virginia. They did give him six figures, but y'all have you seen JT's year this year? They're one of the worst teams in the, in the big 12. I think he got benched last Saturday. He's like outside the top 80 nationally when it comes to yards per attempt. And so if he chose West Virginia over Oregon State because of NIL, it's like, did he make the right choice? Because maybe he would have gotten less money or less, you know, I guess fringe benefits for being at Oregon State, but he could have played for Jonathan Smith, who I believe is a pretty good coach. Neil Brown's about to get fired at West Virginia. They're in the top 25 right now. Uh, now it's, you know, Corvallis, Oregon's in the middle of nowhere, but it's not like Morgantown, some metropolis. So, like, this is not an anti-NIL rant, nor is it an anti-JT Daniels rant. The truth is, JT was a good soldier for Georgia last year, and I'll always appreciate him for that. But I do think this ought to be a little bit of a test case, should it not? That to choose a school on the basis of, like, an NIL deal, you better hope that it benefits you, I would say, in ways other than just NIL. Because do you honestly think that JT Daniels is more of an NFL prospect right now than he was this time a year ago when he wasn't playing in Georgia? I'm not sure that he was. JT would have gotten drafted, I think, had he left Georgia after last season. And he'll probably still get drafted after having left uh, West Virginia this year. But has JT done anything at Morgantown to prove himself to be more of an NFL quarterback than he would have appeared to be as Georgia's backup quarterback last year? I'm just not quite so sure that he has. If he was at uh, Oregon State playing for them, would he maybe have? I mean, we'll never know, but gosh, it's certainly a better team. Uh, if he had gone to play for Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri, another school that he considered, would that have been a better opportunity for him? We'll never know, but gosh, it couldn't have been much worse than it seemingly worked out there at West Virginia. So apparently he got a little bit of an NIL deal to go out there and play for West Virginia, but I'm not quite so sure that the NIL alone justifies the football decision that he made. It's, it's at least something to consider if what's been reported is true, and we'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And by the way, before we get into some really cool stuff for Jalen Carter, let me also tell you about another cool thing there as well. Uh, it's involving our friends of the UGA Alumni Association. Of course, you already know it's a great time to be a Georgia Bulldog, and when you're enjoying a season like the Georgia Bulldogs are enjoying, you want to celebrate that with other Georgia Bulldogs fans, other UGA grads. So whether you're looking to call the dogs or kind of network for your career or you know, mentor a current UGA student or just kind of connect with other UGA graduates all across the country and around the world, your one-stop shop to do all of that is the website alumni.uga.edu. That's alumni.uga.edu. It'll help you get the most out of game day. There's some digital downloads. There's some exclusive video content. You can get some special gear uh, exclusive for the UGA Alumni Association. You can catch up with the news. But also, it's a way for you to kind of show your spirit and find other dogs near you that have that same level of spirit, that same level of love for their alma mater. The uh, UGA Alumni Association is keeping dogs connected to each other and helping the 
most recent generation of Georgia grads or previous generations of Georgia grads also pour their lives into current UGA students there as well. It's a great organization. I know you're proud to support it, and you can find out more about how you can support it, but also how it can kind of help support you there as well and, and connect you to other UGA grads so you never have to bark alone so you can be around other dogs during this special magical season that we're a part of right now. So find out more. It's alumni.uga.edu. That is alumni.uga.edu. All right. Jalen Carter yesterday got some good news. And boy, you talk about a happy ending to a story that I wasn't quite so sure was trending that way for a while. Carter's back playing in for Georgia, dominant against Florida, dominant against Tennessee, dominant against Tennessee. Big game last week against Mississippi State there as well. And lo and behold, you got Carter now as a semifinalist for the uh, Outland Trophy, which goes to the nation's top interior lineman. By the way, I've always just sort of felt like, like the Outland Trophy is just this like bad i mean you're talking about a great line in your resume uh you know talk about you know really kind of showing yourself to be a bad you know what it's like if you're the outland trophy winner uh which is obviously what jordan davis won a year ago that is just a big time award to be a part of and carter was named as a semifinalist for that yesterday we're thrilled about that we love seeing him get the award season attention he deserves because he's another one of these players we talked about uh stetson bennett off the top of the program today you know, kind of playing in an ensemble situation at UGA. Maybe folks don't notice quite how good Stetson's been this year. For Jalen Carter, who was kind of overshadowed last year by five first-round picks on defense, a lot of people assumed that all the talent left Georgia when those guys left after last season. And yet Carter, from a draft standpoint, is just as top flight of a prospect as any of those guys were last year. That maybe at times he hasn't gotten the attention for that. And yet the Outland Trophy certainly seems to know what he's all about which you love to see and this week by the way Kirby Smart kind of also uh, had some words of praise for Carter there as well the context here is is that while Georgia has been stellar defensively it has not forced a lot of turnovers but one of the guys that has shown an ability to do that or at least kind of create the kind of havoc that makes turnovers more likely that is Carter so in light of Carter being up for and nominated for and a semifinalist for the Outland Trophy here's some words of praise from Kirby for Carter this week take a listen to this He's uh, explosive. He's quick. He's disruptive. I mean, he's in the backfield. Uh, you know, he's on the quarterbacks. In terms of when you get to quarterbacks before they throw it, you typically have a shot of getting a, um, a force out. You know, and uh, when you get running backs in the backfield, maybe before they're 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 passing line of scrimmage, you know, you got a shot to get an arm on a ball or knock it out. He's certainly a, a powerful, explosive player. So those guys tend to have more uh, turnovers outside of just strip outs. Love to see him getting the attention that he deserves. I'd love to see him win the award. You know, obviously we haven't seen Carter for a full season this year, but when he has played, there's no doubt this is among the very best players in the entire country. And certainly NFL draft scouts are aware of that. And hopefully the awards folks here at the end of the season will be aware of that too. By the way, one more quick shout out before we sign off. Our friends at the Durham Law Group, you know, if you've been hurt or injured in an accident, uh, you want to be made right. You want to be made whole. And that's what our friends at the Durham Law Group are all about. They don't just practice personal injury law. They define it. That means no fees, no expenses, unless you win. They don't benefit unless you benefit. So you can reach out to them. Give them a call, 844-4GA-HURT. That's 844-4GA-HURT. Or online at georgiahurt.com. That is georgiahurt.com. And we'll also see our friends at the Durham Law Group as a part of our Dog Nation injury report here on the Kroger Kickoff live from Lexington, Kentucky on Saturday. And as we get ready to sign off and say goodbye here today, uh, I want to give out a golden shoe. And I, I said this earlier this week that the time we had in Starkville on Saturday just turned out to be really special. I was lucky enough to have my family with me, which always makes the games more fun for me. 
But in addition to that, the impromptu Dog Nation invasion where you looked around, there were like thousands of Georgia fans and almost every single one of them were like, hey, we just sort of decided last minute to come down. Tickets were cheap. Travel was a little bit easier than we thought it might be. And lo and behold, you had Georgia fans everywhere. By the way, there have been some Mississippi State message boards this week that have been pretty unhappy about that, about how much their stadium was red and black on Saturday and kind of turning on their own a little bit because of the selling of the tickets to the uh, opposition. But nonetheless, a uh, good dog fan who was on hand for the game uh, we'll share this as a way of celebrating Golden Shoe today. Cody Carter saying, had a good time down in Starkville watching the Bulldogs play this past weekend. Hashtag go for two and 22. Dogs on top. And he tags us here, Dog Nation, and me at Dog Nation Daily. Cody, congratulations to you on winning the Golden Shoe. And glad to hear you had a great time there in Starkville. And hope you enjoyed this Saturday's game there as well. And by the way, uh, when this season is done, getting ready to think about next season there too. And back in Jacksonville, 345 days from right now. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. We appreciate you being a part of the program. Go for two and 22. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Merriweather and Tharp. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown, the one you turn to for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. Right now, it's pretty much all heat all the time. It's freezing cold. But if you need your heating system tuned back up to factory fresh specs, our friends at R.S. Andrews can do that for you. It only costs $99. So make sure you check them out today. Um, Got a great question here from Chief Dog, who says, if Georgia were to get to the college football playoff, who would you like to see Georgia play against? He says, it's USC, Ohio State for me. I think there's an interesting... I guess way you can take this one of two ways and I I sort of think that Chief Dog is taking this one way as opposed to the other when he says who do you want to see Georgia play I think that he says I'm craving that matchup with USC maybe because it's a national brand or in the case of Ohio State certainly maybe because that's the case because if, if that's the way you're looking at this of hey what's the biggest possible game that Georgia could play in Well, games against USC and Ohio State probably represent that. You know, Georgia hasn't played Ohio State since 1992. I don't know when Georgia ever has played USC. Maybe they have in the past. I just can't think of a time in which they would have. But maybe there's some instance in the past when they have. But the point is, that's another really big national brand. We just really haven't seen Georgia on the field with before. So if you want, like, notable name brand type opponents, then USC, the potential Pac-12 champion, and Ohio State, the potential big 10 champion although a chance of making the playoff even without winning the big 10 those are probably the answers you would give to that now the flip side of that well what are the easiest games that georgia could play well on the one hand it would appear to be tcu uh, georgia would be a sizable favorite against tcu if the horn frogs continue to win in the big 12 there's a thought here that you know georgia might be more than a two touchdown favorite in a game like that which you don't always see in a college football playoff situation I would also say in terms of ease of opponent that actually USC may rank a little higher on that than maybe some realize uh, from the standpoint of the fact the Trojans don't play very much defense. So I think that's an interesting way to f- think about this of like, okay, if you want the easiest possible matchups, who would you want to play? If you want the most notable possible victories, who would you want to play? Are there teams right now that Georgia shouldn't want to play? I think that's an all interesting debate and discussion and maybe we'll do more of that in our podcast cool down in the days to come and if you've got some thoughts on what chief dog asked there we'd love to hear from you on that too so you can reach out to us on twitter at dog nation daily and of course check out rs andrews online at rsandrews.com we'll see you back here tomorrow as well for dog nation daily presented by meriwether and tharp we'll look forward to talking to you then